don't know, man. I'll show you some pictures right away after. I'll get some posted up. It was like climbing. It was just was like climbing a vertical sand a wall made that sand and rock for a good part of it with 35 degree heat on your back. People shouting wasps or not wasps, uh, yellow jackets. Every so often you would come to these and the summer's notorious for yellow jackets, you know, which we, we call wasps. Wasps nest, hornets nest, but there's there's hundreds and hundreds and it's not just like two wasps. <laughs> you hear them. <laughs> the funny thing was halfway up it someone started shouting, you know uh, yellow jackets, well it wasn't, it was a drone and the panic that set in, everyone was diving, like you could see them just, so uh, How is there any getting away from those? Like? There's not, and well, I got one barky, I got one barky bite as they call it from, from, from a wasp up rapture um, but what, what there is, um, as I say, beforehand as well you get, you get information about don't wear earphones, so you don't see anybody wearing headphones music or something so that you can hear the rattlesnakes because you are off trade you know I mean and it is to hear the rattlesnakes um, it's to hear the yellow jackets because <laughs> you need to hear our next manager around the that's the truth that my friend was Michael Shields and this is the Inspirational Runners podcast Wow, what an episode for podcast number 29. Michael and I were on the phone last night just talking about his adventure at the Barclay Classic Marathon. And although it was late, it was around about 9pm last night, I stopped him in his tracks and said, look, I'm calling him right now to do the podcast. He only lives about half a mile from the house, so without any prep, I just started around to sit in awe and listen to his incredible journey. So this podcast is raw, it's authentic, it's everything I hope for when recording an episode for the Inspirational Runner, so I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Before we start, this episode is sponsored by the St. Field 10 and 5K, which takes place on Saturday the 13th of October in Balmahinch at 3pm. just like to thank everybody for listening and following the podcast. Um, doing this show really is an honour and I really couldn't do it without your support. Hope you're enjoying the journey. Here is Michael Shields. So tell me about your adventure on the weekend. Why so? Well, is every, everybody, most people have heard of the Barclay Marathons. Yeah. And that's, that's what happened to me. Here's, I'll, give you, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the longer version, well, not the longer version, but how it came about that I signed up for the event and why I wanted to do the event. And, and I'm pretty bugged actually, you snuck away off, by the way. <laughs> you didn't let me know you were going. Oh, well, here's what happened. This time last year... Um, I, I should... I should Say at that point that Michael only lives half a mile from my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, school gate meetings. With I tell you what happened, this time last year I was preparing to run for Dublin and New York. It's hard to believe that's nearly a year ago, but yeah, it's a week apart. A week two. apart. I done a long run through the mountains to Hilltown. Carol's being service, so it was about sixteen or seventeen miles. Come back that evening and went to swim pool for a swim. And foolishly got into the jacuzzi with contact lenses in. Developed an eye ulcer, was blind for the guts of three weeks in total. Yes. Um, thought that was the end of the run. It was definitely the end of the run. How, how long before Dublin was that? Uh, it was 9th of September, so. Jesus, uh, pushing it on Six weeks or so. Three it was up at 17 May or something. At the critical that, point, really? I said that's it. You know, it's more or less it. Um, was it taking the Royal, taking the Royal and the fear maybe the day would be lost. So Jeez. I was sent home and for, for the guts of nearly a week I had to lie in a darkened room and not able to sleep because stuff had to go into the eye. And I remember one day being pretty pissed off about the whole thing and Bernard put on the TV, Bernard's my wife, she put on the television so I could listen to something. I couldn't see it. And she said she might like there, there's one called the Barty Mark and she might like it to Netflix. And I said throw it on and listen to it. <laughs> I listened to it for four days. Had you ever heard of it before? No. I, I listened to it for four days before I could see it. And about day five or six I could start to see it at the, the good eye because it become less sensitive. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because it was going on and on and on for day in, day out. It just broke the monotony of that five or six days being kept in the dark room. Yeah. And then when I was able to see it, just something just clicked with the race. You know, I, just, I could do it. Like, how can I not do that? 
Mm. <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking, there's no way, there's no way you couldn't do that. Now, how did you find that when you were listening to it then? So you must have listened to it like four or five times. Didn't yeah, you? the whole thing caught me because that, that, that documentary in itself thinks a masterpiece, you know. Yeah. I, I heard a podcast and the people that made that documentary and they made it over the course of about 18 months and I'm through hell <laughs> to actually make it. And they were about to pull it about two days or three days before they actually, they said, it's not good enough, it's rubbish. And they're about to pull it. Um, but it didn't need to be perfect for it to be the bark did no, it? No, it just, it, 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 what they made and it was perfect, you know, to, really to the viewer, maybe not to them. Because they and see when you were listening to it, yeah. when you seen it for the first time, was it different than what you anticipated after sitting? I'm trying to imagine what it'd be like. No, it's great to see the picture. I know that. It's like seeing it's maybe like... Because you're visualising what it's like. Yeah, yeah. But maybe yeah. your visualisation is too calm because yeah, you don't well, really know. <laughs> You've never been exposed to such... Uh... Yeah, when, when, when I did eventually get to, as I say, about day five, got to watch it, um, it was everything. It, you know, it was a delightful thing. And I watched it a few more times since then, or, you know, from that. But... The interest was sparked there about that because up to that stage, obviously, yeah. the main priority at that stage was getting trying to get back out into do Dublin, trying to get back to do New York because it was all booked. Just so, just tell me a little bit about because some people won't know about the video which is on Netflix, isn't it? The Barclay Marathon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me just a little bit about the race. Look, it's because in two thousand eighteen there wasn't one person finished the race. No, there's <laughs> nobody no, for the first for the first. So the, the brief history of it because. I read a lot in that now. Uh, the brief history of it, it started about 1985, <coughs> and the first 10 years, no one finished it. <laughs> Nobody finished the 100 mile race, the five loops. Few people have finished the three loop race, and it was thought that the three loop race was the thing that could be finished. The five loop race was impossible, so everyone just went for the three loop. No one American. I took an Englishman in 95, Mark Williams, I think you call him, that actually was the first till. till finished five loops in 50 something hours, 55, 56 hours. And then slowly but surely over the next 20 years, another mm. 10 people finished it. You're talking about, you're talking about only, you know, 15, 16 people have finished it yeah. in 34, 35 years, 30, 33, 34 years. Mm. You know, and that's what I was telling you earlier. You know, if you look at Frozen Head State Park, which is hell, and they're very, like, you know, people should watch the film. If you watch, if you watch the film and look at the park, it just looks like Cabroni Park or Steve God. It, it's nothing exceptional. I think maybe the highest point in it is maybe about two and a half thousand foot above sea level. There's no higher than Steve mm-hmm. Donner. You know, there's no higher than Steve Donner. It start, because the park starts at about a thousand yeah. or maybe 800 or so above sea level. So um, in paper, you would think, how can no one, how can no one finish that? That's like some of the best ultra runners in the world. Yeah, so it's enticed, it's enticed them people in. Yeah. It's enticed, you know, Gary Robbins and, you know, Jared Campbell and all these ones that, you know, I didn't know about a year ago. Yeah, Keith Owen. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Owen Keith. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he has... Um, One of Ireland's best. Yeah, yeah, he he, 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 st- he done it last year. Um, and, and he competed he, two loops, I think he read Yeah, the finished it with a, with a broken collarbone or something. It's phenomenal, <laughs> like... Um, Amelia Boone, all these. But it's five loops, it's 20 mile loops, and it goes like clockwise and anti clockwise yeah. and clockwise. And day and night. And day and night. And With a it's hour. not a marked course. No, no. And there's um, the checkpoints on it, it's just a book. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And you have to rip pages out of the book to prove you've been there. You have to rip pages out of the book. Uh, the page correspond with your race number, so when you come back in the flip one, if you're number four, you'll have all the four pages from the 13 books that's out in the mm. course. Then when you go back out on your second loop, Laz, the race director, will give you maybe the number 40 and then you have to rip page 40 out and that's the way it goes until you drop out. But, you know, after three loops, there's 40, only 40 people started. <laughs> after three loops or something, I think you're lucky if after three loops, there's about mm-hmm. six left. And there's brilliant anticipation to the start of the race because you turn up and you're given yeah, a number yeah. plate. You give a number plate first time round. But you don't know when the race is going to start. It can start any time between midnight and midday. So... <laughs> Get a good night's sleep if you can. That's what they say. And you know, you could be, I think one year, uh, well, one year, last year or two years ago, they all went to bed and the, the conscious, the conch shell was blown 40 minutes later and then one hour started, started at 20 to 2 in the morning. Just, it just tries to create And then you know you're not going to get any sleep for 60 hours if you want to complete this thing. Yeah. You know, and 
they talk about they do do micro naps, mm. so maybe they'll have a fifteen minute nap or something. That's the height of it. Mm. And there's been famous cases where people have done it and been on the fifth loop and fell asleep and woke up ten hours later. Um, or if they've become so disorientated with themselves, they don't even realise who they are, where they are, what they're at, that they're hallucinating. Yeah. Somebody believed their children was running alongside them for a little bit, like until he realised this is the Barty Marathon time and I have to try to finish, you know, it's, yeah. it's mad. So there's all that legendary behind it. So when I was looking at, when I got more and more into it, I was thinking, how do I get in this thing? Because I want to do the Barty Marathon. <laughs> I want to do the five loops. You know, but there's a secret of the process. It's not just the marathon. There's no registration to go and enter the Barty Marathons. You have to find out how to do it in a certain time, a certain day. I know some of them answers now. Uh, no, one te- no one tells you when, um, when uh, it opens or when it closes. And... There's nothing on the websites about it. But anyway, in researching some of this, I came across that there is, in fact, the Barclay Falls Classic, which is held in September. And it's nearly as secretive, because I don't know if yeah, many I, people have heard I've of it. I've never heard of it. It's before. nearly as secretive, and you stumble upon it. And there's only a certain amount of places you'll stumble upon it too. Although it's a lot easier to, 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 to get down and get registered for. But thousands register for this race every year. Like I think this year... The man that runs it called Steve Durbin, he, I think he said there was about 4,000 Americans want to do it and the 450 places. Never mind the people from you know, Canada, what's the big following, Af- South Africa, Australia, Ireland, yeah. the UK, and, and all around Europe. A lot of big, Fran- big French contingent go to it too. Because so. the movie really kicked it off, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, yeah, 2012. But I watched it and my f- first thought was definitely... There's no way I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah, and, I and, that. yeah, and it looks and so so what what the Falls Classic does, what the September race does, is it, it you know, it's nowhere well, there's a couple of things to it. It's it's a supposedly a twenty two mile, twenty three mile marathon in verdict commas, or a fifty K option of thirty one miles, depending on how far you get on and if you meet all the cutoffs. Through conversations at the weekend, it transpires your 22-mile marathon stroke 23-mile marathon is, in fact, a 31-mile ultra marathon. And your your 50k ultra that everyone goes for is a 42 to 43-mile no, no, Because the miles are, and the miles are known in the, the miles are known in the film as Laz miles. He says a lips 20 mile, a lips really 26 to 28 mile. She's never caught onto that. Yeah, yeah, it's mad. That so, is like, class. you know, uh, apart on it, um, <laughs> the first aid stations at seven miles, so this was the last weekend, the first aid stations at seven miles stroke 10.9. <laughs> <laughs> and you go, what? It's the longest seven mile ever run in my life. You know, so. Um, and were you aware of that then when you went into it? Obviously, knew, people started to I, tell I, you then. Yeah, but I knew you didn't go until it because you'd become part of a. There's many people people turn up expecting it to be 21, Yeah, it was. Miles. And that's why, you know, 450 starters, 85... Uh, sorry, four, uh, 500, start, 500 were registered to start. Over 50 or 60 didn't show up on the line. And 85 did not finish. Wow. And, you know, then there's the statistic of the, the, a percentage finishes, you know, the 50K mm. or the older, or goes for the 50K and doesn't finish and time because you have a thirteen twenty cutoff for everything. So if you do like I was talking to a guy who done who didn't make the cutoff for the fifty K, busted himself, didn't make the cutoff for the fifty K last year, and finished the marathon in thirteen hours and twenty one minutes. And it got it did not finish. Got it. And you could say to yourself, How can you not do a marathon in thirteen hours twenty one minutes? That is that's silly. You think to yourself you could claim that you've done it maybe five times now. <laughs> you, know, you, you think or four times or whatever. But until the terrain is seen, man, it's just, it's, so just a brief, a brief intro to the yeah. course. The first, you run to the yellow gate, which will be seen in the film. Oh, you it's infamous. Um, yeah. When you put on Facebook, you picture yeah. the yellow gate, I, I sent you a message. What, are you, what race you do? I you the yellow gate. And I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so you run to the yellow gate. It was, sorry, you, you start about two miles out from the yellow gate. So that people can spread out before hitting the first yeah. trail. Because there's, there's famous conga lines going up the first trail, as you imagine, being caught. There's no place to pass. And this trail has 22, 23 switchbacks. And it goes on for one hour, 20 minutes of climbing. Constantly. That's your opener. Yeah. That's your warm-up. 
So you get you get up to the top of that, and then you go across uh, another trail that brings you to the first aid station. As I say, in total, so you're living in about 10, 11 miles at that stage. Then you have an, a, a nice hurry descent down. What, what's up there? What's on the aid station? Is this water? This is, you must get punched. Now you must get so you have a bib, and they don't have books in the Barty Falls Classic, mm-hmm. but they punch. You punch your bib. Have a bib up there. You have to punch it at each aid station, and if you are three miles out of the aid station and forget to get a punch, it's back or DNF. <laughs> so you make sure you get punched at the aid stations. The aid stations just have water or a hydration drink called sword, equivalent probably a Gatorade or something. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and they're really nice, and a very scant selection of of snacks. It's not well kill They say be self-sufficient, so you're given all this information What, what was it? Was it warm? It must have been. It was 35 degrees. At seven o'clock in the morning, it was 23. I knew the heat, we knew that was going to be the biggest thing. It's in Tennessee, um, is it? Yeah. Tennessee, yeah. That was the Saturday. On the Sunday, the next day, the temperature fell because of Florence. The hurricane was coming across and it fell to lovely temperature of about 16, 17 degrees, which would be an ideal for it. Yeah. But all day long, it was, it was in stereos. I was wearing one of them hats out to see Horror Desert you know, with, a, <laughs> with a neck flap and all on it. Only for it. And it looked, if you, if you run around here, what people laugh at you. I think only for it, it saved me. Brilliant. But, um, so you're running, as I say, and what happens is you come across in about mile 20, you go to Bushy Mountain Prison, but you'll see in the film. Yeah. And you walk, you jump over the prison gate, and they're at the top of the prison gate, Jared Campbell, who's the, who's the three-time Barkley winner. And um, as I say, he's won Hard Rock 100. He's won a, a load of real hardcore races in America. He stumps your bib. Brilliant. And at that point, you asked Jared, I asked him, What's the story here? How long have you got to get the Laz? Because there's only a claim called Ratcha. Yeah. It's about yeah, a mile. Right. It's less than a mile. And I said, I'm on my horse's back. So this was at, this was at uh, 20, 22 mile. No, it wasn't at 22 mile. Because it was at 27 mile. Yeah, Laz is miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the 27 mile. Um, it was probably around 22 mile on the official map. Um, um, you have to, to do the last claim. You do. You come up spec, testicle spectacle, which is shown in the film as well. A lot of the a lot of the course is on the film. Yeah. And a lot of the trails that are on that are on the film are on the real Barkley are in this classic. And yeah. um, what's not so much in it is the off trail. There's a week, there's a right bit of off trail, and some of them are the big claims, like testicle spectacle and Ratcha. Testicle spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, it just was. Check them when you get to the top of it to see if they're still there. I think that's where it got. I think that's where it came from. Um, so, Jared said, there's a mile up the top of, of Rancho mm-hmm. and then it's about 3.2, 3.4 mile run to Laz. So, that brings up to about 31 mile. But at that stage, you've only four mile to go. You think, I've been listening back. I had two hours to get to Laz. Four miles. Four miles. And i never seen anything like Rancho. And I mean, I train, I was doing 10, 12,000 foot elevation training in Steve Martin. I was doing 10, 12 mm-hmm. laps of Steve Martin some of the weeks before it. And deliberately went off trail and tried to climb up the face up through the trees and the stubs, That's which was tough, yeah. but you were able to do it. Man, oh man, I'll show you some pictures right away after. I'll get some posted up. It was like climbing, it just was like climbing a vertical sand, wall made out of sand and rock for a good part of it. <laughs> With 35 degree heat on your back, people shouting wasps, or not wasps, uh, yellow jackets. Every so often you would come to these, in the summer it's notorious for yellow jackets, you know, which we, we call wasps, wasps' nests, hornets' nests, but there'd be, there'd be hundreds and hundreds of them. It's not just like two wasps. <laughs> you hear them. <laughs> the funny thing was, halfway up it, someone started shouting, you know, uh, yellow jackets, but it wasn't, it was a drone. <laughs> <laughs> and the panic that set in everyone was diving like you could see them just so uh, how is there any getting away from those like, there's not um, well, I got one bar I got one bar e bite as they call it from, from, from a wasp up rapture um, but what, what there is um, as I say beforehand as well you get you get information about don't wear earphones so you don't see anybody wearing headphones mm-hmm. on the course and you think it's because it's too soft to wear music or something. It's so that you can hear the rattlesnakes. Because you are off trail. I mean, and it is to hear the rattlesnakes. 
Um, it's to hear the yellow jackets. Because <laughs> you need to hear them. Or next minute you're surrounded by them. That's the truth. And no one, there was no music on it. Yeah. You think of it now. So I had the earphones on there. I said, I'm going to wear them and listen to some of the podcast of inspiration that Ronald, you know. But it wasn't allowed. Well, you were, you are technically allowed. The other yeah. thing you're not allowed, you're not allowed GPS, so you can't track how you're getting on. You can't track how you are for time. You're allowed to wear a basic watch. A basic watch, and that's it. Brilliant. Um, and people pretty much abide by that. You know, if mm. you're caught wearing anything, if you're caught wearing, if you're caught wearing the GPS, you're, you're never allowed to run it again. Or you're caught dropping, there's no jails allowed at it. Mm. If you're caught dropping a gel pack, it's amazing. You know, out of all the mines, you didn't see one paper. There was carnage. It can be done, like, can't it? Yeah. It's one of my sticks. There's no cups, the no cups at the stops. No cups at the, at the stops. You either fill up from your flask cup that you have, or you take a wee disposable cup out, or there's, sorry, they have a communal cup. Drink out of it, man. You're not, you know, you're not too worried about germs at that stage. It really is about pure running, isn't it? Yeah. And bring it yeah. right back to the core. The aid station there just came, came for an emergency. You should be pretty much self-sufficient bar water. Yeah. You need the water. Like Between the aid stations, I was going through three litres of water. I reckon I probably drank somewhere in the region of 10 to 11 litres of water. So tell me a bit water. about um, Rat Jaw. That's one, is that the one that's got all the brambles yeah. and the thistles? Yeah, so, so I've seen the, people guy that, the, guy that, the guy that won it is a guy called, and he's done Big Barkley a couple of years. Because um, uh, he's, he's Canadian, so it's Bueno... Labelle, you call him, he's French Canadian. He won. And the reason why the field is so, like, I had no business being there. I had no business even being at the Bartley Falls Classic, because I'll tell you why. It's a qualifier race for the Big Bartley. Right, so okay. there's no guarantee. There's 40 places for Big Bartley. Everybody that's won it or, or that's pretty much finished the fun run gets in automatically. Yeah. Then there's a, a certain number of females. You try to get at least 25% female entry into it. And then there's some of the legendary figures from it get placed in it too, but it's capped at 40. So for any newbie coming in to the big bar, mm. there's about, there's maybe about six places, seven places. And there's no guarantee that they, some of the, the hard rock winners, you have to lead the winners, you have to be big to get, to get an option, to get a, a go at this. Unless you win Barty Falls Classic, you're in automatically. So you get on a very elite crowd of maybe 100 runners. Yeah. who are running to win this thing and I mean not in it for the crack running to win it they run through the aid station some of them showed videos and running through like the aid station at 20 odd miles like, just sprinting through so how did you get in? how did I get in? yeah well I put down it was closed it, it closes out pretty much when hours of opening mm. so I put down for a wait list I said that I would like to do that in 2020 2021 be nice because you get you go up the wait list a wee bit every year yeah I don't need to go back in two weeks to say you're in. And I think it's something to do with they're trying to bring a more international. Yeah. And they probably got me mixed up with some maybe other athlete living in court or somewhere. <laughs> 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 Is that your boy? So, uh, listen, I wasn't going to... Well, you just on the Twin Peaks, so that must have got you. Yeah, I did. That got me the points. <laughs> <laughs> it did. And uh, so once I got the email I, I couldn't believe it. I was going, God, this is... Is this real? Is it mix up or something? Yeah, how long before the race then did you get that? I got that in March. So it's a bit of time out. Yeah, no, no, there's plenty, yeah. Um, and as I say, uh, there, was, there was plenty of time for training and all the rest, but I would say out of... There was people waiting on the wait, people on the wait list, because you go into like a wait list and you go into like a, uh, like a communication board that you can talk mm. between people. And the amount of people that I communicating about when am I going to move up the wait list and I would love a place I would give everything I would swap all my Ironmans I would swap all this just to get a place in the Sparty Falls Classic and that's when I knew this is something really special here yeah. you know even just to witness it's a, it's a unique chance to be, because look it's a challenge it's not it's not oh come and do it and you get a medal yeah. which is brilliant and I've had I, I, I've loved any of my events that have done that but this is a good chance the way they want to do it is that you're coming, but there's no guarantee of a medal. There's no guarantee of a finish. There's no guarantee you'll even meet the first cut off at four hours. But it sounds like there's no guarantee of a start. <laughs> no guarantee of a start. But they, that's what I say. They, they, um, for example, like 12 people got tapped on the shoulder uh, after four hours at the aid station one says you're over time. You're out. Yes. Take quite road back to camp. Now, if that person had to travel from Australia, that didn't matter. That was it. Yeah. Um, 
before I tell you how, how, how my mind's going, <laughs> there, was a, there was a girl, um, and she's on Facebook, Jenny, Jenny, Jenny's her first name, she's run this past three years, and believe this year would be her year, she'd make cut off for the mark. She, she always got the marathon, the marathon, the marathon itself is an amazing achievement, but she got the marathon, and said this year she'll do the ultra. And there's a video from Facebook, she got to Laz, because she had to get to Laz by nine and a half hours, and she got to Laz at nine hours, 38 and three seconds, and they give her a hug and said it's over. And then you go, fuck, and I, kn- I know what she's, anyone that took part in it know what she put in that, never mind the past three years, this thing's only going five years and you think there's and yet and all she's in tears bomb and she just hugs him back and says next year <laughs> and then you go this is really there's something yeah. about this you know and I haven't had that same I've loved like I've done a few I've done mm. Dublin and New York and London and it's lovely to be part of that big mass you've done, you done Dublin and New York in the same week well a week apart yeah and you do look at your times then. you do be thinking about times mm. you look at your time differentness you don't look at, because you would ask some of the shit if you've seen some of the times you're on a marathon in, in the Barclay Falls Classic League mm. <laughs> you know I, I, you know and people are talking and, and as I say one your, two, your time tells the story doesn't it really yeah and the time, the time is made up of about five parts. Yeah. It's not even made up of one part because it tells your story of suffering through the race. You're really, your time. Well, <coughs> no one be able to see this. But I'll be able to um, so that's that's the hat. <laughs> Looks like it's been through World War Two. Um, not too many marathons require a pair of these. Leather but gloves. That's the gloves. Um, it's not too many marathons you finish or. 50k to finish that your fingertips pure leather your fingertips are pure your fingertips are pure and you can hardly feel the tips of your fingers because you're climbing on them <laughs> you're you're going up to that jaw like a dog and test the spectacle like a dog now i've met and i'll post up i'll give you some pictures so you can post up the goal down maybe with your with the story but i've met i met boys sleeping on rat jaw there was guys having a nap i said about right 20 minutes there was guys at the bottom of it before even climbing it. They climbed up a small climb called Baby Rat. So, Rat Jaw goes up in 0.8 mile, it goes up 2,200 foot. Jesus. So, when you go to climb Steve Donner, you get about 3 mile and you get in the summer. Well, Spalga is 1,200 feet, isn't it? So, 2,200 feet, is that what you Yeah. Saying? So, that's Donner. From sea level. So, that's Donner, really, isn't it? In 0.8 of a mile. And you get to do Donner in what, 3? Mm. Maybe about 3, three just over 3. Three mile, just so up. 0.8 of a mile. So the contour lines are just like that tight, and it's just I seen it on the film. I said, "There's no way them pictures of testicle spectacle or rat jaw. Like, that just looks like climbing." Yeah. You know what? Up Steve Martin or something. My goodness, why? Because I seen people on the film. I think were getting lost on rat jaw. Yeah, well, it's that's the thing the too because you, the... there, there is pretty much signposted, but like. Some right bits of the same post, but then you give them instructions to stay within certain areas, and that's your that's your clue. So that's your marker. The marker's not physical. It's been mm. it's been totally in the sheet. And like I made two wrong turns, and then two wrong turns probably the first one maybe cost luckily only about fifteen minutes, uh, and a mile, and the second one maybe maybe a bit longer, um, approaching the top of Rapture. Which was pretty disheartening by. We say, how do you get lost in that rat job? But you have to stay under what they call the power lines. But then you have to go through. You have to go through this big rock at the side of rat job, just about 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 a hundred meters before the top, and you have to physically climb up the like rock, climbing up about probably about twenty five foot. <laughs> and I didn't see the gap to climb up the rock. I mean, another fellow called Mark just kept going around, and then we realised after about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. I think we took a, we're not on the power lines, that was the clue. We're waiting yeah. to see it, we're waiting to see a turn. So 25 minutes back, kills 50 minutes of your race. Mm-hmm. And we were right, we we're up. Um, and we got to the top of Rapture, and then you have to climb, so you think it can't get any worse, to climb a 100 foot lookout tower. Um, 100 steps up. And you all see people in that because they're afraid of the heights, believe it or not, and they're like, <laughs> coming to the sides. And that's where you get your bib punched. 
So, so the Saffron Hill Tower, was like you have to climb a tower. The yeah, a big lookout tower they call it at the very top. Yeah, that's nothing to do with the prison, I think, is it? No. no. Okay. This is the lookout tower. It's the highest point in the whole park. Yeah. And you can see everything from it. You, so you have to come all the way back down then. Back down the tower, and then you go down the call Old Mike North Trail. Every year's different. Mm-hmm. So if you've done it this year, different next year. Most of the claims will all be in it, but mm-hmm. it's never a given. But you'd learn the course in the first year, I tell you, you know, because the day, what happened, and so I got the top of, so as, as I was telling you at the present, I had two hours to get the lads. And going up the first bit of the climb, I said, okay, that's still going good. Still going good. I was going one set at a time, one set at a time, 50 paces break, 50 paces break, then about 20 seconds break. That was the way to do it. No good rushing up. People had gone out, some of the elites had gone out actually, and were DNF'd on Ratcha. Because they run out and had they got they got the rat job with four hours to go, and they cramped up that bad or dehydrated that bad. Two of them needed oxygen. Two of them, um, a few of them had just that severe cramps that had to be lifted up rat job. And these are these are the boys that were going yeah. for the win. So they were lying there, and as I say, they're loading the whole way up. Relax. So it was fifty paces rest, fifty paces rest. And I've been told this by one of the girls I've been running with earlier. That's the way they do it, and it was working until about halfway up and I thought there was a full sum up and I said, aha, they were here, you know, this is brilliant. Still have an hour and 20 minutes to get the last, this is going to be no problem. And um, then I looked around the corner and it just was like, oh, I've only done a quarter of this thing. There's <laughs> no way that can be a mile. But it probably is the only... Because you don't know, do you? Pointy no of a mile, but it probably is the only bit of the course that actually is pointy of a mile. That's the, that's the yeah. scary thing. So up I went and... Um, I knew just as time was getting towards the top, this was going to be the, the heaviest push ever to get down to last, because it is a downhill run. So I got to the top of the lookout tower, and I knew that was it, but it, was no, it wasn't going to happen. It was 9 hours, 23 minutes. I knew something. At the start, at the start I was kind of saying, if I don't come home with the cross, because they call it the cross the bark, which is like the bark, barky cross. If I don't come home, uh, uh, the whole thing won't have been. Yeah. And you see in that instant, I says, this, this, I don't care, this is part of it. That it is part of it. It's part of the journey of it. Mm. This thing's grabbed me now. So this is part of it. Because then I thought, I found out there is less than 10% of the first time I've ever finished it, you know, finished the 50k. Brilliant. I says, like, what's the spouse? There's nothing, really nothing spouse about me. But, you know, maybe only 10% of them, or maybe only 10, 20% of them, people that don't get the 50k fence come back, but then coming back. So I, I buddy up a boy that was cramping after the top of called Mark Broden, a lovely fella, he, he blisters the size of snowballs in his feet too. Where was he from? He was from, he was driving back to uh, North Carolina where the, the hurricane, mm-hmm. uh, that weekend. And that's what I say, met some lovely, lovely people throughout it. And, when you're out for 11 and a half hours, you get to spend an hour here with somebody, an hour, two yeah. hours there with somebody. It's was amazing. there plenty of people about you on the course? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, there, yeah, at no point, a couple of points running down the trails, mm. you felt there were only people doing it. But, as soon as the lines started going back up, because I, I would be, I'd be good enough hiker. So, so, a right part, all the, obviously all the ups are that steep, they're walked. They're walking at a good brisk pace. Yeah, yeah. And then when it gets really steep, like rat jaw, it's cr- they're crawled. Um, but, so I met, I met some inspirational pe- people. I ran my girl for two years, uh, sorry, I ran my girl for two hours that two years ago um, had a double mastectomy and had um, her ovaries and everything taken mm. out. And she just, and lost her father, all within a very short space of time. And she was there telling me her cancer story. You know, as you're going along, yeah, how perfect is this? I don't even know this girl. Yeah. yeah. Was just telling me it. And it was just, it was amazing. You don't get that in the Dublin Marathon. Mm. The same extent. Maybe you get it afterwards. But you don't get that, the reasons for being here. You know, I had my reasons for being there in some ways and everyone has maybe reasons for doing stuff but you get a glimpse of it maybe before or after the day event but not near a during event because normally there's not time to talk. In mm. a, in a, whereas in something like that, Ultra, and you've, you've done them, you know, you probably get to know people really well. And, and so I was talking away to her for a long time, and then um, 
we happened to come across this older fella in his early 60s. And around the same time, and, she, and they were talking, and next man he says, yeah, he says, um, I have it, the minute. So he was actually going through cancer treatment. And he's about to start uh, radio when he was back. He didn't go to, I didn't, we did, you didn't ask any questions, but he was telling the story. So he was going to go through radio, but he didn't want to start it till after the bar. He wanted to do it. And you go, this is incredible. Man, this could be this it? guy's maybe last race, I don't know. It's very humbling and gratitude. So, so when you weigh up all the stuff it. you learn from it, mm. as I say, I got the print tower. Um, I walked around with Mark back to the start line the Laz. Spent some time talking to him. Gerard Campbell was there again. So real. Like, yeah. You know, you're talking to probably the most eccentric race director in the world. Because it's amazing when you see something like that and then you find yourself there. Yeah. It's just like... We thought for the crack. I was talking to Bootsy. Not too many don't know Bootsy because he's not eccentric race director. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the story. So... Uh, Kind of between, it's turned a couple of weeks ago in Warren Point Town Hall, and uh, he knew I was doing it. And he says, I said to him, But see, you mind if I give Laz a shirt? <laughs> a team dog. And I said, I'm not. And then a couple of weeks later, or before I went out, he says, Will you take the flag? <laughs> I said, oh, This is even big. This is even more exciting than being entered into the bar, bar yeah. class and getting to represent the team dog on tour <laughs> doesn't get any better so uh, I took the flag and then I took the flag got the flag of the yellow gate and then I come in to pick up my race pack and I thought the chances of maybe seeing Laz were quite slim because yeah. he just finished the day before now he's a guy in his late 60s he was an ultra runner from the early 70s one of the first ultra runners very eccentric smokes like a train and he's just finished the, the Transcontinental of America the day before the party started. So he's been walking from April and done three and a half thousand miles wow. by foot. So no one had an excuse about yeah. how sore or tired they were when they met him. At, at, and there he was, I came in to pick up my pack and he was sitting on a chair. After Jared Campbell had opened the door, they let me in. It's like a major celebrity, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, whoa. And, and I had the shirt in the bag, and he was on, I said, look something, I'm going to go and graduate this man. And I said, look, I have a spe- very special request. I says, there's a guy in Ireland, I says, as mad as you, and he runs <laughs> an organisation called Team Dog, and the only stipulation you have nearly again is you do stuff a bit mental energy, and, and you like a drink. And he says, well, no better hillbilly than me. <laughs> <laughs> and he took the shirt, and he could hardly open his eyes, Robbie, I'm not telling you where to believe, because he had jumped on a plane the night before in Oregon, over in the west coast and he had flew back to be there at the start like he wasn't going to miss it by and if he had just ju- judged that round by day he was walking 27 28 miles a day if he had to miss that by a day he couldn't leave his trans his, yeah. his trans continental to come to the Barclay if he missed it he missed it if he missed the bar so everybody was in admiration that mm. he was there and as I say he gladly accepted being a member of Team Dog and I reminded him then at mile 30, about 30 when I seen him, you know, in the, in the, uh, when we're finished, I said, oh, there's the most honourable member, Laz, of Team Dog. And he says, Team Dog all the way, you know. That <laughs> was brilliant. Just added to the experience, like, didn't it? Yeah, and uh, we finished down into the park then. So you had to run after him. You had to run about two and a half miles back down into the, and I watched the last boys coming in. Now, technically, I'd still two hours, 20 minutes to do what would have been nine miles. And it wasn't nine extremely difficult miles. But mm. you missed the cutoff, you missed the cutoff. So... Uh, it was a three mile track. It was a three mile hike up at Bird. Uh, call it Bird Mountain, and then it was a three mile run. It was a three mile track up and a six mile run down, all downhill. So part of you was going well. You know, I'd still two hours left. I couldn't have done that. You know, yeah. and I know we'll have to do for next year. That's yeah. the beauty of it. I know we'll have to do for next year. It's no, it's no because you go out and you lay in the pack full of snacks and drinks and you're carrying all this stuff, and I know where to cut. A lot of that stuff now. But no one, you can't, you don't really be yeah. told that, you know? You, no, you have to learn. And you know, you, and, and then our thing is because you're out for it, you know you're going to be out. If all goes to the plan, like I'm well below average of a, of a, of a endurance athlete, so I'm going to be out for 13 hours. And you, so 
at certain parts, you start going, breaking your race and saying, where could I made that up? Well, I knew I had an hour before I got lost. Mm. And then I knew I probably stayed in some of the aid stations maybe a couple of minutes too long, even though basically it was in and out, maybe five minutes. But then I realised on the trails, on two of the big runs on the way down, which were running down maybe four or five miles at a time, I was running conservatively because I didn't want to bust the legs and they knew what was coming up. And you're always holding stuff in the tank. Yeah. I could have went for a run the evening and finished it, which really pissed me off, you know, because I was thinking, you shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to do it at this event. You should nearly have to be stretched out of the car park. Yeah. So that so when I add everything up, I, I know to myself, I really think next year I can take this cross home by. So it's nearly more exciting. Hope Bernard doesn't hear. <laughs> but yeah, I think she so how, how would you get in again? Well, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> but I was at the hotel that night. Now the hotel was 20 miles away from the park. I stayed in a double three in Oak Ridge. Which is another interesting story about. But I stayed in a, it's a American secret town. Basically it's where they developed part of the, the bomb that took out Hiroshima in Oak Ridge. So Oak Ridge was completely closed off in the 40s and 50s or 30s, whatever it was. It wasn't even on the map. But this was the time I was staying and they wouldn't believe it out of all things that happened. So many things happen and you go, no, that can't be by chance. Boy. <laughs> I, learned, I had a beer with a couple of boys from um, Ohio that were staying in the hotel as well. And I come down, so I, come, I, I go back to the hotel about nine o'clock at night, got a wash. I don't even know, I didn't get washed. That's lies for anyone listening. I didn't get washed the next day. I said, I'm not going sleep better. So I come down with the hands still covered in grit and everything else. Um, to the bar and had a drink and I was coming back up into the room at 11 o'clock and I walked around to walk in the lift and left doors were open at 11 o'clock in my hotel and Lazarus Lake is standing in the lift <laughs> he lives 20 odd miles away and then he, I don't know I, I thought you'd talk about a hallucination I said look at him and says what the f-? <laughs> <laughs> and I look and he says he, he says I have one thing to ask you and I says, what is it? He says, was it worth the trip? Wow. The fact that man you had recalled, yeah. because I have this thing and all the rest that, that's the guy from Ireland. Or that's the guy that's come a long way. Because he did then, you know, he, he, he put it all together. Um, and I says, it's worth every penny, every minute. I says, and he says, he knew he had the marathon finish. He says, you're coming back to the cross next year. I says, you look out for my name on the wait list because it's going to be there. He says, I'll keep checking. That's class. Do you, do you find it was a, very much a spiritual journey? That you yeah, absolutely. But uh, they all are with me. Yeah. So, you know, as I was telling you, like, I'm going to go into the Barclay, but, you know, I think they have to be. There's so much more because look, people go, and I'm sure you did, people go and run the New York Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, the New York Marathon made for this three-day pilgrimage. Because I went on the Saturday for the, the, the Runner's Mass in St. Patrick's. And anybody going to the New York Marathon of any religion, please go to the Runner's Mass in St. Patrick's at 6 o'clock the, the, the evening before it. He brings all the runners up the altar in front of thousands of, 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 of the congregation. And the organ plays the chariots of fire. And <laughs> the, 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 the hairs are bouncing off you. And then the priest strips off his robes and shows his race number. He's doing it. He's seventy. <laughs> that was New York, right? And then the next day, obviously the run, and then that night I come back to the finish and watch the last runners coming in. And you're, there's a handful of people there. People don't know. There's only maybe 10, 20 people there. Peter Chichawa or Chichawa, that's the race director in New York, there talking away to you. And then all the winners, Shalane Flanagan, and all come up, and you're having the crack with you. Brilliant. So that's what I'm saying. Make a pilgrimage. Any of the big runs that you go to do. Don't go and run. Because they're and lifetime experiences, aren't they? Don't go and run and be held in the time. If the te- yeah. But do. But if the time doesn't work out for you, see, see what else is going on around. There's stuff going on around. You know, go and see the last ones coming in. Same with the Bartley. Like I, I went down the finish line and 13.20 was the cutoff. Now, if you make last at nine and a half hours and then you get four, you get three hours, 50 minutes to run around the North Trail back to Laz to the finish, you have to finish within 13 hours 20 for the 50k finish. If you're 13 hours 21 minutes for the 50k finish, you're, you're DNF. Yeah. 
And what happens is a lot of people do be because what happens is they make it to last and then they're completely spent. They're bust because they've just run the race of their lives and then they have a three mile hike and their legs go. It's not maybe the mind's 100% the legs go. So the people you'll see, at like I've seen some people at 13 hours, 45 minutes coming across and just dropping the floor and unconsolable. And you're witnessing that, you Like you know that person run for three, two or three more hours than you, went down the 50k loop, finished the race, and the only technicality was that, but they'll come back for the same re reasons next year, yeah. that I, that I'll come back, you know, and that's the thing, there's... They didn't close the door to it, just because it didn't make that nah, cut-off time. No, nah, it even makes you more, yeah. and it should be the same for anything, you know, anyone come out to do a 10k, that thinks to themselves, I want a big hour, and it goes one hour, one, well go and do the next one, on their arm. You make it your journey, you know. And it can be, you know, so my journey for kind of even left at the end of the year was Dublin. I was hoping to do, I've done 413 Dublin last year. I was hoping to make it the journey this year. As I say, I'm not a fast runner. I just like doing the events. As I would love to do four hours. I'd love to do three hours something. Mm. But I know, even maybe now, I have a very little flat miles in that that might be a four maybe a 409 this year, might sneak with under 410. The journey might just have to be altered slightly. Three something maybe next year or two years away. Yeah. You know, don't be hell-bent on whatever's just going to be. It was a great experience you had in New York as well, wasn't it? It was yeah. great. So tell me about when you went down to the finish line after the race. Because not many people would do that. There's a small... There's a, No, I, I couldn't believe it. I took the phone and there's Friday at charge. I had my phone. And I said... Uh, I don't know why. I'm staying not far from the finish line. The, the key to New York is, please, if you ever go and stay near the finish line, and I'll tell you now, for anyone wanting to do it, there's a hostel on 72nd West Street or something called the YMCA Hostel, and you get it for about 100 bucks a night. The hotels in Center Town cost you a fortune, unless you're going with the package. Yeah. So I self-done New York. I got the win the place of, not sports tours, international, 209 events. Reasonable. Bought my own flight. So I got New York, done New York, from start to finish for less than a grand. Yeah, that was good, mate. Yeah, and uh, Money Race went to our, our own charity. Um, um, I stayed in this hostel. And everyone said, that's a dump, you know. What's the dump? When I finished, I was back in the hotel in 15 minutes. Yeah. There's no one who's back in the hotel. You know, you've done it. You know how far you have to work. I was back in the hotel in 15 minutes in Washington and, all, and went for a pint and said, right, I'm killing time out. I'm going to go back up the finish line. Because it was right beside the hotel. So the finish line, I was deserted. There was a wee girl ringing a cowbell, and there was about 20 people standing on the finish line. So I stand here for a while. Next to this guy with bow tops and very, very swarthy skin and all, <laughs> sober top, and said, where did you come from? I said, I'm up from Ireland. He said, would you like to do the marathon? I said, I've done it today. It turned out he was the race director. No Peter Chichawa, or something to call it. He's the head of New York Roadrunners. I didn't recognise him at the time, but then someone told me that's who he was. So he said, stick around, there's something special happening. I said, well, I thought it was going to get invited into the VIP. <laughs> <laughs> so, next minute then, um, these runners, these incredible boys were running in. And some some, some people maybe that listen to you, Robbie, will know there was a crowd doing it there. I think there was a girl, Janet Mooney, doing it. But there was a guy on their tour doing it for Temple Street Children's Hospital. Because I had to go to their bus to get the bus to the start in the morning. I seen this guy wearing a leprechaun hat and beard. Guy must have been maybe the far side of 20 stone. Um, wasn't passing judgment, it says he must be spectating, obviously, some of the runners. He had the Ormond Street, or not the Ormond Street, the Temple Street Children's Hospital yeah. thing on. I said, That's nice, but he got in the bus. I said, God, God, that's good. Well, he came over the line at 11 hours. Jeez. I couldn't believe it. I was standing there, I said, I was witnessing, I was going, I can't believe this. Obviously, it. it that the New York Marathon was pretty warm this year. There was a drizzle. It was warm, but it was it was raining all day. And um, he came over and he was soaked with sweat and soaked with rain and all the rest. But he finished it. That was the most remarkable thing. I loved him that fellow's name. It was a guy maybe in his early sixties. He finished wow. it. And then I thought it couldn't give any more inspiration in a way. And you just found people coming over in crutches. And next minute, at the very end, guy near twelve hours. At this stage, sorry. Selene Flanagan, who's the female, the first female American to win that in 40 years, came walking up the finishing street. There's no barriers. 
come walking up, we finish in three. And these few people started to clap. I said, I think it is. Because I, I knew your face, you see. I said, that's the winner. And then the second place and third place come up. And then the mains. Meb, Meb, whatever, Meb Kaplinsky, whatever, the top American, Martha and Alfie, the, the, the people they worship, the man they worship, he came up. I said, what? I said, what's going on here? It's just a bit like meeting Laz in the lift, yeah. you know? I said, you might have to get a photo. I was talking to him, I didn't see this, where are you from? I said, I'm from Ireland. He says, oh, talk to my man, Daddy, I love you. This was Shalane Flanagan. <laughs> I said, they're just with their man, Dad. So I was talking to them. He says, we're, we're third generation there. I swear from Brookborough and from Anna. He says, my grand, our grandparents come out here. I said, I don't believe you. So when I got home, I was emailing the Brookborough Rolling Club. I was emailing, you know, you know the winner of the New York City Marathon, the sounds from Brookborough. Brookborough is the size of Addy Call. Yeah, that's class, isn't it? So the very last person to come in was a boy called Dave Fraser. I don't know we clip it's on YouTube somewhere. It's yeah, really it's crappy. It's only about 60 views. But anyway, I don't know we I don't know we clip. This guy came over the line at near 12 hours. Um, born, I think, with cerebral palsy. On a wheelchair. The arms must have been raw. Self-assisted. Pulling himself over the line. And the, 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 the first and second place of the wheelchair marathon. Came out of the crowd. And punched, fist punched them. You know, fists. No way. And escorted them. And didn't go over the line from them let him go over the line and then they go work with their arms around by. And I was going, you cannot see that. No song. Them ten minutes were better than running. The ten minutes experience at the mass and the ten minutes like, <laughs> yeah. anyone, they didn't get the full New York package. Yeah, I understand. So go back and do it if anyone didn't because there's so much to see and that's probably goes on every I'm feeling like I missed out now. I bet you do. So I've really got a full record in in doing a meeting because uh, I met Q Bashner as well when I done London by chance and I've met Bootsy when doing the Twin Peaks and I met Laz and I met Peter so it's like a race director for it's, special so do you think you prefer the sort of ultra races or longer distance sort yeah. of races um, in your training you done something that I wanted to do and we talked about it a couple of times and you beat me to it and that was the loop of the lock Oh yeah, yeah. Text you about it. He texted me. I knew it, was your, it, it came by chance. But I don't know why. Because on the 9th of July, I said I'm going to do this tomorrow. And then I realised you wouldn't believe it. The same day your thing flagged up to say whose birthday it was tomorrow. This is Robbie Martin's birthday. And I texted you. <laughs> you. And I says you fancy doing a run? Look. <laughs> I was yeah. very close to doing it. Wasn't yeah, it? the matches went back and forth, and it was only my foot. Yeah. I think was holding. Yeah. Me. I was no. I'm definitely doing it. Yeah. Um, I said a great way to celebrate the birthday. Well, I'm glad you didn't do it because it gave me a bit more time to do it slower. I think. <laughs> no, so, you, don't, you don't actually get time. I'm out there Greencastle and park the car. I said I'm doing this. I bought a GoPro, so I said I'm going to GoPro this and everything. Got to be like, well, I'm really GoPro or you know, sit the camera down, go back, run a wee bit past it, and all this up there where the story was going. So bought this fucking battery was dead. <laughs> so. Uh, or no, the files corrupted. The files corrupted. So I got the first couple of files and then the whole thing corrupted because the memory card wasn't right for GoPro. You know, it has to be extreme. Yeah. So anyway, part of the card Greencastle, I think it's six in the morning. Five, six. And I originally wanted to do it at four. And uh, run up the road and oh, was brilliant. Well, it's brilliant right in the early Victoria Lock and then things started getting a bit tight. You know, that's about 22 May. Yeah. Didn't realise there was a greenway from Uri down to Victoria Lock, so run the road. Right. And then you're dodging, and you know that's a really, really dangerous part of the road. Yeah. So it was dodging. But the greenway, if you were going to do it, is yeah. a perfect way well, to I do should it. Well, I didn't realise you could get on the greenway at, at, at Uri yeah. and run to Victoria Lock, which is the most dangerous bit of the road out of the way. So run the whole way to Meath, and then I stopped for something, I stopped for a coffee in Meath, it was shattered, that's the thing, it was maybe close to Marathon, maybe around 23 mile or something. I went in and a coffee and all the rest and then walked for a bit and then got back on to got not, not got back on but started doing the greenway and it was beautiful the sun was coming up and I made a wee clip on Facebook and it's going to, people do call and people do call to kill and sometimes where we're from a shithole or whatever you know and you think to yourself you know something if you go out here and look at this you're not going to find anywhere and I turn people everywhere I go and I tell people about Ireland and say you yeah yeah, we, we would love to live there. Yeah. You know, and you realise, 
and you'd look at the beauty of that. that and, it, and it was the sunniest day, you remember, because it was your birthday. It was a lovely, beautiful, sunny day, that whole couple of weeks before it was. And um, I was running down through there and goes, you know, this is beautiful. And uh, I, put, I, got, I got a bad emotion about it because people were saying, I've heard people from time to say, saying, for the place to live, you know, mm. this place is... I live here. Um, my mum my opened up a hostel in Kilkeel called the Klondike. Just thought <laughs> <laughs> and um, the amount of people that stopped there, yeah. um, some amazing people, yeah. um, they just thought this was a gem. Yeah. A little gem. They were so glad they stopped on I, their way around I, Ireland. I think when people talk about that and talk about it being hard, I think they have to look inside themselves because mm. I think they're maybe sometimes talking about their own opinions, as mm. in their opinions of our people and nothing to do with a road or a. Or, uh, you know, the scenery. So they should it's, it's more, when they talk about a place like Kilkeel, for example, yeah. it's more about the town and what the, yeah. like, pubs have got to offer, which yeah. it doesn't have, yeah. but it's got more than that. It's oh, sandwiched man. in between the sea. You, you're, for a runner, you're not <laughs> going to find a better place as a runner to live. Like, we lived only up the road in Warren Point. We, we talk about this all the time. And try going for a run out. Try and go for a nice accelerated yeah. run in Warren Point. You've got the choice to rest driver and back, or the carriage went back, or some of the back roads. But you look at Kiel, and for where we live here, you've got a three mile loop, a five mile loop, a seven mile loop, flat. You've got a three mile loop, five mile loop, seven mile loop. You've got ten mile, thirteen mile loop up into the mountains. Yeah, I, I, put, I, I put a picture on Facebook the other day, and it was a picture of my feet on top of a mountain, yeah, watching the sun come that. up. Yeah, yeah. Um, about 17 minutes before that photograph was taken, I yeah. was sitting at my kitchen table. Yeah. 17 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And uh, another time I put a video up. At Hare's Gap. Yeah. It was like 45 minutes ago, I was sitting at the kitchen yeah. table. I love it. Yeah. I love it. But the, the run that you've done around the lock, though, it's yeah. beautiful because you're yeah. going up to up Warren Point along the yeah, shore yeah, yeah, yeah. and then back. Even going the road, the good thing about the road and not the fairway is it takes you up higher to get yeah. a good view of yeah. the lock. Yeah. And it really makes you appreciate it. And you finished then at the ferry. I think I missed the ferry. You wouldn't believe it. I was no. coming into the ferry. The ferry was just beating his horn to go out. And I said, no, no. And then it was the best thing that happened, actually, because chill out. I was driving off and I said, I'll get the next one. And I went down into the water and walked out till about, well, well above my knees, let's yeah. say. And then I realised I was surrounded by jellyfish. And I don't know one jellyfish from another, but this is going to end very disastrously. <laughs> <laughs> so I got back out of the water and sat there. And you know some buried my feet in the sand and goes like you know that was something special today it's nothing like yeah. it didn't cost nothing to do um, I got on the ferry and one wouldn't take a ferry of me and says you're the first person to do this um, so that's two things you sort of <laughs> beat me to I've got another one. Oh no well this is this is the goal for next year and it came about for the training for Barclay and again it'll be the thing I want to do next year, and it costs nothing. I'm going to ask people to jump in and do a loop and all with me if they want to do it or whatever. But I'm going to, I want the average sleeve Martin. So the average sleeve Martin, I think it's about 24 ascents and descents of sleeve Martin, you know, and ever. Oh, ever sleeve Martin? Yeah. That's a good idea. So that brings it up to over 29,030 mm. 29, foot of elevation in 30 hours. I'm going to try for That'll be good. Yeah, well, you know, these things don't have so to be... What have you thought about starting up an event? And so I know you have, um, you work closely with autism and yeah, you raise yeah, money for yeah, autism yeah, as yeah, well because yeah. you have a son that does have yeah, autism. Yeah. Is that something you would think about doing then? Is trying to get people to come along and help maybe do that? No. I, or do you just that, like, you that, like the spiritual journey? Roland's a big part of her life. Autism is a big part of her life, a very big part. And the two are joined because, you know, um, that's what started the journey we've done. Myself and Bernard runs a lot too, as you know, my wife. Man. Yes, because Bernard always runs hand in hand and finishes yeah. through, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. She's a good man. <laughs> so Michael always has this vision of having this lovely... Yeah, well, she says, you heard the story, she said that the double marathon run it with you and 100 yards later, that was the last thing. Yeah, away she goes. <laughs> and she finishes it in four hours and five seconds. <laughs> and isn't annoyed about it. So... <laughs> Um, and it's the same for every event. Twin Peaks was the same. Yeah, I went yeah. with you, and again, I seen her at camera, and I didn't see her into the finish. But I knew that. I knew that. And you know, to be honest with you, we and I think it's very hard for two people to run together in an event. Yeah, 100%. and it's very hard for people even sometimes that both are able to train together. You know, if they're different paces or that one likes listening to music, whatever. It's for both people as well, isn't it? Cause yeah. You want other people just to push on. You just want to get into your own sort of zone. Yeah, and um, but. 
it came about kind of you know our son Dan and he's nine he has um he has autism and severe learning difficulties and you know when we went through the whole diagnosis stage we had run some five k's and ten k's or ten k's maybe we were in point festival months and um 2012 he was going through assessment for autism he was about he was three or four at the time and that was going to be a defining year because it was the year we were going to get a diagnosis and you know we needed something kind of mm-hmm. something else to go for too so we said look let it be the year we do a marathon together we'll also get the diagnosis for daniel uh, which is grand but let's do i knew that journey kind of it gave us space to talk when we were because right, we we would have yeah. always run started running together we lived in more point at the time um, and we started to run and talk about stuff and work a lot of stuff through and this went hand in hand i've done some of the runs some of the marathons that they have done i've done them for charity but it's very much separate it's nearly the running is what maybe make, gives us the space as parents to deal yeah. with everything else that's going on so um i would love to see an event like something on sleep marketing because brony park's been underutilized underutilized for a major alternative event it could be done that point a, a loop a loop event mm. you know whether it be like, I'm very very interested in some of these because I could tell people on the they do the uh, what they call an endure the, the endura races yeah. where they're round and loops and stuff and they, you can really you know because I I was doing it's got so much potential yeah it's got world class potential yeah well you can do a treat like you can do like you can do the Lungbuster and do a five mile loop on it mm-hmm. a straight five mile loop you can you can cut that down to four three and a half mile loop and you, where you get the ascent and the descent and it's a great training ground. So I'd love to, I'm, I'm going to try So that. what day are you thinking about doing the Sleeve Martin then? I'm going to try for I think next July. Next July? June or July, yeah. June would be a good I month for so. having my UTMB training. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking it, it would get the elevation in for, yeah. for it. So you really have coloured your life really through all these sort of journeys that you've taken, haven't you? And yeah, well, I, I think... Like, I, I don't want to go past as well. You put a post on Facebook there 25 years ago. I can't believe I did this. And that's another one. That's another one that you beat me yeah, to. Yeah. Because I talked to you actually about I'd, I'd yeah. love to get on the bike and cycle around Ireland. You didn't yeah. tell me that you'd done it. No. I, and what age were you when you'd done that? 17. And I'll tell you what happened. Um, oh, that's come back a while. But, you know, a lot of stuff happened then very, very quick. I, was in, I got into cycling in 1989. Greg Lamont won the Tour de France. And um, kind of... I wanted to, so I had a five-speed racer in the gar- in the shed, a second-hand five-speed racer in the Bryans, and I said to my dad, you know, I would love to do a bit of cycling, I think. And we got, we got, a pair of gullies, we got a pair of cycling shorts. I was in Stafford that year, it was my first holiday, I was 14, and I got a pair of cycling shorts in a place called Henry Burton Cycles, a famous cyclist over in Staffordshire. And I got a pair of cycling shorts in the top. He threw the top in, and I still have it, still have both. And came back, and the first thing I seen in the paper was Ansborough Hilly 100k cycle. I can't do that. I said, you know, I was held in a bike called Teddy Hawkins, who I hope is still living. He was in Shin the Wheelers, he was an old man then. I think he still was riding his bike up a couple of years ago, and he's near 90. And he held an event called the Ansborough 100 Hilly. And I jumped in, and I was only obviously 14 year old, about five feet. I'm a pair of bodies. Well, here, you think the Barclay Falls Classic was tough. It was horrendous. <laughs> and I think it took nearly as long. And I got back, and I just, when I got off the bike, you know, everyone looked and goes, Did you do that? I said, I didn't know any different, Robbie. And sometimes you only get one chance not to know. So the first time doing the marathon, you don't know any different. It's brutal. Yeah. You don't know any different. The first time doing the 10K, and after it, you can look back and go, yeah, but that's what I had. And you go, yeah, but that was, that was big. So then I started getting a bit of cycling and I was running around Kukil here in a pair of cycling shorts and everyone was looking at you as if you were mad because there was nobody. I was a member of the Neary Wheelers. There was nobody in Kukil that done cycling. A couple of bikes. Big Brandy Murphy did the off-license. He'd done a bit. And Stephen Colley, the Kitties Road, he'd done a bit. And, um, you know, I'd done, we had done charity events for um, uh, multiple cirrhosis from school. And we... Everyone was walking Tullymore Park. We said three or four of us and said, We'll cycle a fifty mile loop of the morns. Like, what? And we done it and we raised money. And then I said, you know, I'm looking so school was over and I was looking to do something bigger. My father had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and I was seventeen year old and I was trying to come to terms mm. with this. And there's not much space when you're seventeen year old and asking on your life. Yeah. And I said, you know what I'll do? I I try what can I do? I'll take a year out. I sorry, I'll take a week out on the bike. 
and I go and set around the iron. Yeah. I have no clue of scale of maps. <laughs> and it just happened at the 18th, and anyone can look it up, the 11th of June, for the 18th of June, two, uh, 1993, was the worst year for weather in June in Irish history. Because I come in past the airport, there's no M1, there's no big roads. Ireland didn't have any major roads, you remember back then, like, the, yeah. none of the European funding. And I come in past Dublin Airport on the back of an Arctic because the water was up to my neck. And this boy said, jump in the back of that Arctic because I was cycling through it and at this stage it was at my waist. I didn't realise how deep it was going to get and I had to get myself to Bray, County Wicklow. And I was never as glad. I arrived in the first stop, I was staying that night with the full panniers soaked and covered in oil. And the poor woman in the house that I was staying in kindly dried out the stuff. And then I seen, I had the most amazing week ever. I cycled around and it, I got inside my own head and got stuff. So that's when I started to know some form of exercise can really can help you deal with stuff that's going on. Yeah. And then, uh, so cycled around basically, not to the coast of Ireland, so it's obviously a lot more, but yeah. main towns, so Dublin to I think it was Waterford the next day, Cork, um, come up around by Galway, Lim- Limerick, Galway, Sligo, Derry, back down in Armagh, and the last day was actually the shortest at home. Um, from our man, it was class, and my man and dad came to meet me, and I put us there. That was what I posted up. That will, that will. Yeah, and and the beauty of it was what I found out later. Daddy had a big map. We just lived across here. Daddy had a big map with kids, and he was three months away from from Diane from 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 his dad. He was following me every day on the map and coloring it in. Brilliant. I know that map. I still have that map, and that means more. You know, so it's. And it's the same for these things you do. You go out and do these events. It sort of connects you, doesn't it? It does. It gives you something. It's not, and you know what, I didn't time how quick I got the top yeah. And you see, you know something, when you look back, and this is what I hope, when you look back at 50 or 60 or 70, and hopefully 80, I look back and say, I went to Tennessee and run a mental altar at the time, and I won't even remember my time, Rabbi. Or I say in Ireland, and I won't even remember the time, you know, of the actual, how long it took me. That. and you won't remember the time it took mm. you to do New York you remember I run New York in this class yeah. and I run this in this class and that's to remember too don't get too hell bent on what goes wrong in a race or what goes wrong in an event just pick another event and go do it go make memories that you remember when you're 60, 70 and, don't, and if you feel it's supposed in the way and look I don't have this problem because I'm not a I'm not a, a te- I'm not a um, a fast runner I don't get held up or on, on, and stuff goes wrong but if stuff does go wrong you know it's alright mm. just you know just let it go just move on to just the next move on and you know something <clears throat> enjoy the next experience yeah yeah and that's, that's I think that's I think <coughs> that's the key that's brilliant Michael we're going to wrap it up with that thank you thanks for coming The Barclay Marathon Classic is really about pure running, being lost in the wilderness, trying to survive. You can tell Michael has really connected spiritually with his journeys, which is a beautiful thing, something we can all learn from. Hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to download the Podbean app and follow the Inspirational Runners podcast. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.